Hello everyone, welcome to Green.io, the podcast for doers, making our digital world greener, one bite at a time. Whether you work in tech, product, data, design, marketing, you name it, you will find inspiration with us for your next actions in web sustainability and green IT. In this first episode, I had the pleasure to speak with Fershad Ivani, the web performance expert who audited the COP26 website. He is a restless advocate for low carbon web in his newsletter, Optimize. He helps environmentally conscious companies ensure their websites are fast and have a low carbon impact. Based in Taipei, after graduating in Sydney, Fushad also contributes to open source projects like OpenSpace Data, and is an active member of the climateaction.tech community where I discovered his work. Welcome, Fushad. Thanks a lot for joining Green.io today. Welcome, Gail. Thanks for, thanks for the intro, mate. First of all, talking about the intro, what did I forget to mention about you? I covered you covered most of it off. I think on the personal personal side of things, I um I enjoy rugby. So you'll probably find me on the weekends and nights watching a bit of uh, rugby league or rugby union um, on on a live stream. Um, I also play touch football. So I represented Taiwan at the Touch World Cup a couple of years ago, um, and I, I help organise a bit of a touch touch football over here. Um, and just a, a recent thing that I've I've been getting into more and more kind of bit of work, bit of side project has been um, looking at the the environmental impact of third parties as well. So I I recently launched a project around that, um, which uh, which has been quite interesting. Learned quite a bit in that process as well. Are you talking about are my third parties green? Yeah, I'm talking about that one, mate. Okay, great. I think we will. Come back to this later. Maybe first, how did you become interested in the sustainability of our digital sector in the first place? Uh, I think, I think like a lot of people, um, a lot of people that have picked up, especially in the last few years, it, it kind of goes back to, um, to Jerry McGovern and his book, Worldwide Waste. I can't remember. It's time is a blur now, this, uh, these last few years. I can't remember where I became aware of that book and I, I don't know how it ended up on my e-reader. But I started reading it and just going through it chapter by chapter, you know, he, he starts with a topic and you find yourself thinking, oh, yeah, I kind of understand. I kind of know a bit about whatever. And then by the end of the chapter, you find that you've just, your mind has just been completely blown by the impact, environmental impact of whatever he's been talking about. Um, and so definitely it started there. I it's did. A bit, this book myself. is a bit like you knew about it and, uh, but you didn't realize it. And then suddenly you're like, you've got this kind of wow effect. I think pretty much everyone who read it had it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a, a lot of people would share that, that feeling about, about this book. And for me personally, um, as someone that works in the web, I kind of found myself for the, for a little while afterwards thinking like, okay, he's, he's talked a lot about the, the impact of the internet and the, you know, the impact of video and media and, and different parts of, of the ecosystem, but what can I do? Um, and, I, and I was wrestling with that for a short while after after that. And then I think I heard something from from Tom Greenwood when he was talking about how whole grain digital approach projects with clients and and how they kind of they just build websites and those websites that they build just happen to be green. Um, some of their clients don't even come to them asking for green websites, but they just um, they just build them that way, and and that kind of clicked with me that 
I enjoy web performance and I enjoy making websites fast. And then a lot of the stuff that we do to make websites faster would also make websites greener just by default. Um, so that was kind of the whole starting process for me down this journey. And it's, it's one where you're always learning, you know, uh, web, web mm. performance on its own is like a field that's just constantly developing. There's, there's so much to learn in, in that area just alone. And then, um, web sustainability on top of that, uh, it's a young, young area of study. Um, and, you know, new research is coming out every, every month, you know, about it. So there's always a, a lot to learn there as well. Yeah, absolutely. That, that what makes it absolutely fascinating, I guess. Talking about uh, web performance and web sustainability, Green.io is about sharing hands-on experiences on how to make the web and tech more sustainable. And um, you mentioned uh, your mission at Riedel, and the founder himself seemed very happy about the outcome. Could you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, sure. So just before we dive into it, full disclosure, the the founder and, and myself, Christian, and I, we, we worked together in a previous company. So we have some history going back. It wasn't like a fresh project um, that someone someone I don't know just came to me with. But um, yeah, so he was he was working on um, Riedel, which is a language learning app for folks that want to learn German. The approach with the app is a bit different from um, other language apps where it's very story focused and you get a, a story to read, which is in German, and you also get the audio for that story. Um, which you can then listen along as you're, as you're reading. So that helps you kind of with, uh, with a bit of the learning there. When Christian first approached me for, um, some performance work on Riedel, it was based around a desire to be, be faster as an app, um, in some key markets that they were, they were targeting. There was no real talk of sustainability in the initial project scope. And so we just set about doing what we needed to do to make the app faster in, in the areas where they, they wanted it to be. Um, a few of the things we did, again, this goes back to how what we do in web performance kind of flows through to, to making the web more sustainable as a result. A lot of the stuff we did was just reducing data that was being requested when the app was launched. Um, mm -hmm. So we managed to shave around, around 200 kilobytes off the initial app launch. Um, so, you know, when you look at that from a sustainability perspective, if you want, it's slightly under, under or around, um, one gram, uh, uh sorry, 0 0.1 grams of, of CO2. So at scale, the more users that are launching the app, obviously that, that impact becomes larger, but, um, mm. from a pure performance point of view, we were able to get get back around 1.5 seconds off the um, off the app load time, which was fantastic considering that we didn't actually do anything overly complicated, you know. It's just be a bit more critical about what data we're sending over the wire. And then from there, that was, that was like a combination of removing some JSON requests or trimming down a few JSON requests and also image optimization. And again, this is this is like all stuff that if you start poking around with how can I optimize my website, you'll find all that type of stuff coming up as well. And in doing that, we were able to kind of get the app to, to where they were happy with it um, in the regions that, that they needed it to be performing well in. And then subsequently, you know, as happens with 
businesses and stuff, they, they had other priorities which they had to focus on. But mm-hmm. we've been in touch um, during that period. And I think later this year, we do have plans to do a bit of work around their website and other online assets. And hopefully we can touch on the app again as well. And I think that's that's the evolution for, for a lot of businesses, or that will be the evolution for a lot of businesses in that, you know, unfortunately, I don't have people coming coming to me, knocking down my door saying, please, please, we want our website to be greener. Um, i got people coming to me saying, I want my website to be faster, but I just want it to be green. Mm-hmm. But I think once, once, we, once we show the performance results and once we start a conversation around, hey, you know, by the way, did you know that we've also just reduced CO2 emissions by this much or we've had this positive impact on the environmental performance of the app? Once we start those conversations, it kind of triggers a curiosity in people and they can start to see results from it. Um, so, so the next, the next lot of work that we plan to do around Readle, that does have a sustainability aspect to it. Um, and they have actually asked for that, which is positive. Um, so they've oh, come that's to me. That's absolutely and great. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's now some unexpected benefit from your second mission, which was absolutely not the case for the first one. Mm, absolutely. And, and to hear that from, from the customer side mm-hmm. rather than, Rather than it being like, hey, by the way, did you know we did this? To hear the customer coming saying, I want my, my web assets to be faster, but I also want to look at what I can do to make them greener. That's fantastic. And I think a lot of businesses will, will have that two step kind of evolution as they, as they look at how they can green, green their digital assets. Hmm. And during this first mission, how did you manage the human side of the project? Because I guess not everyone was, fully align on the, the need for more performance, et cetera. You, you sometimes get some tensions regarding the arbitrage. You mentioned JavaScript and um, image size, and they are, I would say, pretty emotional topic uh, for designer and, uh, and developers. So what did you do to bring all these people together? And did it work? I think it, it did work. I mean, as, as I mentioned, like Christian and I, we, we've known each other prior to the project. So I kind of, you know, he, he knows how I am and I know how he mm. is. Um, but then he did have a developer who, who I was meeting for the first time on that project. And I, it was more just around kind of educating, like not, not saying, Hey, this is wrong. This is garbage, whatever, like not being dogmatic about things, but just, just educating that, you know, if we can make these reductions in, the amount of data being transferred when the when the app loads, we will see performance gains regardless. Um, and then just taking it out a step further and using a CDN for caching some resources um, or optimizing some resources even, that'll give us an even bigger gain. And in terms of communicating with, with Christian, I think it's just at a, at a human level um, communicating the value of having a greener product, you know, having a greener greener app and app that that is more low carbon um and as a result is faster as well mm-hmm. and what what tools did you use to achieve those results i'll mention one thing that we did we didn't implement in in that project but i think we might look to implement uh, coming up this year which is um around the audio improvements so i was recently made aware of um recently made aware of a a post from Bjorn Aldrup, 
And uh, he he wrote a post about reducing, I think it was reducing the bit rate of audio files and seeing the same quality audio, but at a much, uh, for, for a much smaller uh, file size. And that's something that we didn't really look at in the first project. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm aware of that, I think it's something that I will bring up with those guys um, for future work because not only will it will it help with um, audio playback time, so you know that that's a big part of the app is the user engaging with the audio to to learn words and stuff, um, but it will also like just it will help them in terms of their operating costs. I think where smaller file sizes mean. Um, reduce cost of storage, reduce cost of uh, accessing the data and downloading it. I think there's overall benefits that can be gained by that. And, you know, just I think it's a long-winded way of saying the community is the resource. Um, like, Bjarne is someone that I have never met in my life, but I connected with him on Twitter and LinkedIn, um, I think around the COP26 article that, that you mentioned in the intro. And I've learned so much from just his posts. I've learned so much from other people in the community. And then you can take those things and apply them to your own use cases um, in your in their own projects that you're working on. And and that's where that's where I get a lot of my information and learning from. Because it's it is really impossible to to keep up with everything that's going on just by yourself, you know. Yeah, and that's uh, the very purpose of this podcast as well. This is why we will put in the description all the links to these very valuable resources. Um, thanks, thanks a lot. Uh, now you mention it, yes, of course, uh, another use case made some noise last year when you decided to audit the COP26 website. Um, why did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I was bored. Um, <laughs> Just a crazy was... idea on Saturday night. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, was, I was just bored, bored and curious. I think, and and that's, I get myself into a bit of trouble like that sometimes. Um, yeah, no, I was, it was, it was just like I had this thought. It's like cop, cop was coming up, and it was everywhere. Like you know, cop twenty six, this cop twenty six, that on the news, on, on Twitter, and everything. And I just thought, what does their website look like? Because that's what I do, right? I'm, I'm not a climate scientist. I'm not an engineer. I don't have. I don't have a SaaS product around uh, solving solving climate change, but I do stuff on the web. So I wondered, like, you know, what does their website look like in terms of its sustainability and its its environmental footprint? And digging through that, I I learned a lot personally about the web, and I think sharing that with the broader community also kind of just gave visibility at a time when it was a hot topic. Um, it gave visibility to to digital sustainability and web sustainability as well and um it was really good to see though the the um the reaction from from the the gov.uk folks who when the article after the article was published it did take a while because you know governments and bureaucracy and and which team owns what but we did we did get there in the end in terms of reducing the size of at least the biggest culprit at the time of my audit was um it, that was a, a large image in the footer. It was almost like a three megabyte um, wow. graphic in the footer. And we managed to get the size of that down quite considerably. And they, they managed to push that change, um, I think, in the first week of COP. Since then, they did have like a lot of social media embeds and, and stuff on their site as well. And since then, there's been an article by um, by Michelle Barker on 
on uh, Smashing Magazine's website about that and you know reducing the impact of social media embeds because it's something I noticed when I looked at their site, but you know COPS Twitter feed and everything wasn't mm-hmm. as active as it was. Um, it wasn't as active as it was later on in the uh, in the event, so it was still not that big of a contributor. Um, but once you start having videos coming in from social media and, and stuff, you can really blow out the size of your website. So I've kind of, when I did the audit, I think it was a week before COP26 that I had a look at it. I'm kind of wishing I did it earlier because some of those things that, that I highlighted in that article could have been fixed, but they needed a redesign of the overall site. Like the social media element of it could have been addressed, but uh, they would have needed to redesign how that homepage looked. Very valuable insights and in, in, in the links and sh- documents being shared here. What, what advice would you give to someone willing to do the same kind of audit as you did um, for a pro bono or a professional uh, mission? I think, and, and this is not just for audits, I think this is just in general with, with how we talk about digital sustainability performance and all those types of things where you're, you're looking at someone's work and giving a bit of a critique. Don't be dogmatic about it. Um, you know, saying in black and white, this is right, this is wrong, is that, that's a surefire way to, to turn someone off and not get your message across. There's a lot of grey, there's a lot of edge cases, there's a lot of situations which you might not be aware of that people are dealing with um, when they're making websites, when they're making apps, but especially time pressure is, is probably the biggest of them. So rather than going at it with a black and white, you know, this is right, this is wrong, what you've done here is so bad, it's, it's heinous, it's a crime against the environment. Go at it with a bit of empathy. Go at it with an open mind. And don't be afraid to ask the question of like, oh, why did you do this? And is like measuring helpful as well? I'm, of course, uh, thinking about uh, uh, page speed insights, for instance, from Google or other solution uh, as well. Like, does put hard numbers on the table actually helps or scares people? I think it can help, but there can sometimes be a bit of a, there can sometimes be too many numbers. And, you know, I say this is someone who's really started, yeah, really started looking at Perf, like in the last couple of years, there are so many acronyms, you know, and, and even in the sustainability space, there's just so much you need to be aware of and you need to understand in order to be able to digest the numbers you're looking at. So I think measuring does help. And and something like Website Carbon does this really nicely. The way they present the results, mm-hmm. it's not overpowering. It's, it's almost playful, even when your site is very polluting. It's almost playful the way that, that they present that to you. And it's, it's just... It's, it's a call for action rather than uh, um, a judgment. Yeah. And, and I think that's helpful. Like presenting a whole bunch of numbers to a group of marketing executives you're probably not going to get too much buy-in from that. But if you're able to pick out selective metrics and measure them against their business impacts, that's where you start to really reach and and be able to communicate better with um, non-technical folks in companies. It's a bit harder in the the sustainability space, though, because a greener website doesn't equate to anything, you know, other than if your company's tracking maybe scope three emissions and you're, you're tracking your website as part of that, then 
okay, it, it does kind of correlate, but if you can tie performance to sustainability, you can then take that back a step and, and go, well, for every 100 milliseconds we improve our performance, we are reducing our carbon footprint by this much. We're also increasing our revenue by this much. I think being able to communicate things in that manner um, mm-hmm. is very, very impactful and helps you communicate the importance of these things more easily with uh, with folks in, in other business departments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which brings me maybe to um, the challenging question, I would say, which is the beyond beautiful scope three, what about the why? My point is, did you find yourself in situations where making tech greener was not enough, like where you had to question the purpose of some digital services, if not entire companies? I've never found myself in that situation um, in the work that I've done, but mm-hmm. just in everyday life, I've, I mean, you have companies like Facebook Meta that they've got a positive social impact. They've also got quite a substantial negative social impact. And you start to wonder, is digital really being put to its best use in these cases? I find myself a lot of the time, more, ever increasingly, I, I find myself feeling like digital is not the only solution. Um, that, you know, there are times when digital is one of the options, but that sometimes people view it as, oh, we need to digitize this and it's only going to be available 100% through an app. Whereas actually, to make it more accessible for everyone, elderly, people that don't have a phone, people that have limited access to data or whatever, to make that more accessible, you need to consider other options besides just digital. So I think, yeah, I, th- I think it's looking at digital as one of the options, one of the solutions for any given problem, but not discounting um, others, even more traditional ones like like a pencil and a paper. You know, just a recent example here in Taiwan. Um, when COVID was picking up and the government really jumped into the QR code check-in. So when you go to a restaurant or a shop, you, you check in uh, with your phone, scan a QR code and, and your details are captured. But what that did, and, and beyond that, they also made vaccine bookings and uh, everything like that uh, accessible through an online system. And you would get notifications by SMS and, and whatnot. That excluded a large chunk of the elderly population who then had to rely on relatives or local community members to kind of help them. Um, and, and very quickly, they, they, were kind, the of, they kind of realized. Concerned about the, yeah. They were the most Absolutely. concerned about the, the, the epidemic. So, hmm. Yeah, and, and just like something like that, you know, thinking, okay, we, we got to digitize this. It's going to be more efficient if we do, but let's not forget that we need to keep this as something that should be accessible to uh, to everyone. Uh, and um, going back to something you mentioned, uh, one of your most um, uh, recent uh, non-profit work, um, you started to investigate how green are uh, third parties. Uh, could you elaborate a bit more? Yeah. Um, again, this is one of those kind of, I was bored and I was curious kind of uh, situations. So. Uh, I don't know if, if your listeners would be familiar with the web page, the Web Almanac. Um, it's a set of articles that's put out every, yeah, it's, it's put out every year. Um, yeah. So it's it's a part of the HTTP archive, and um, 
it, it kind of, it's, it's been going for three years. It's kind of tracking, you know, how is the web evolving and, and changing over time? And one of those uh, chapters in, in that almanac is, um, is about third parties. And I was just, as you do on a, you know, weeknight, I was giving that a read and, um, I came across a couple of stats that were mentioned in that, which, which just blew my mind. Like somewhere in the vicinity of 94% of websites load at least one third party script. Yeah. And third party requests account for 45% of website traffic. So when I read that, my mind straight away went to, I wonder how much of this is actually coming from green, green servers. Like what's the, what's the impact here? Is, are these third party scripts, all of them hosted on, on green web hosts? In, in which case, that'd be fantastic. Um, it would be. So, so I set about kind of trying to figure out how I would be able to understand that a bit better. And, th- and that's where Are My Third Parties Green um, was born. So I kind of, you know, I also kind of wanted to play with some technology. So I, I wanted to try out Svelte Kit, which is a, a framework for building uh, web apps and websites. Um, so I got, I, got to, I got to do that whilst also uh, scratching my curiosity as well. Yeah, killing two birds with one stone, which is a terrible Absolutely. expression in regard of the biodiversity yeah. crisis that we are into. <laughs> mm. And um, today, um, so this uh, third party's uh, audit website, is it focusing only on energy or did you manage to go um, beyond and, and yeah, study a bit? Potentially the scope three to do their advertise, um, their carbon footprint and beyond scope one and scope two. Um, no, not really. Right now it's still, it's still very much a side project that I'm slowly updating with uh, different, different things that people have kind of requested, um, when I can. It, the main focus is around green, green hosting. So I'm, I'm okay. looking to see other, other third party requests hosted on, on green web hosts. I use the uh, I use the Green Web Foundation's API uh, as the source of truth for that, and um, I do put in a carbon score, just as like a rough estimate of the first time this request is made, what mm-hmm. would be the carbon impact of it? Uh, because some of them, it's hard to, it's hard with third parties. Some of them are really well cached and they they have a long life um, on the browser. Others, you know, the cache expires within a minute, so. If a user comes back to your site two minutes later, they'll have to download the fresh one again. So it, it makes it a bit trickier to uh, makes it a bit trickier to to give a real accurate carbon estimate. But um, I do have another project in my head about that that I'll I'll leave that for another day. But uh, but yeah, so I do have a couple of plans to make uh, some of this data more accessible and, and visible to to people that might be deciding to use third parties on their website. I've got, I've got a, a branch in the code at the moment to uh, create a directory of at least of the known third parties. So if you're looking for a, an advertising provider, you could you could kind of look through that list and see which ones are hosted on green web hosts and what would be the CO2 emissions res- uh, related to to that request. So I've got that directory. Yeah, and and it's almost. It just makes it an easier way for people to kind of uh, compare because at the end of the day, for us to make a difference as individuals, we we can speak through our actions. And the more of us that go to um, third-party providers that are hosted on green web hosts, 
And the more of us that make that known that that was part of our decision, the more we'll see these providers shifting to more sustainable web hosting, um, optimizing their scripts so that they're uh, lighter and and better cached and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I do have plans to add to the website with with a directory, maybe with a bit of a comparison, um, even inside of the test results. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a work in progress, but I, I'm not sure about getting into uh, something more complicated like Scope 3, Scope 2 emissions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's a hell of a job <laughs> to, to 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 start auditing and um, and just collecting the information when it is made available, which is pretty rare these mm. days. Yeah, no, I, I just if um if any of the listeners do want to help with that, they can go over to armythirdpartyscreen dot com mm-hmm. and uh, run run their website through through the tool to uh, to see how their website looks. And I've got some ideas about how I might be able to use this data to also contribute back to contribute back to some of the data sources that I'm using. So mm-hmm. I use a library called Third Party Web, um, which kind of categorizes third party requests. I would love to use data from from this tool to then feed back into that um, library to help uh, make it more complete, so that the other people that use that tool as well can can benefit from that. One, maybe two last questions, uh, a more general question, I would say. <laughs> um, okay, today, what makes you optimistic about our path toward a greener digital world? I'm going oh. to answer this. <laughs> Spontane- spontaneously, not that much. <laughs> a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking, like, I think my my answer is not just for digital. My answer goes for our path towards a greener, more sustainable world as a whole. The thing that makes me the most positive is like just the number of incredibly smart people that are working on the science behind behind changes that we need, that are working on the engineering, that are working on products to help us get there, that are lobbying for changes to be made at the government level. Just the number of people that are out there helping us move in the right direction. That's what gives me a great sense of optimism. I mean, going beyond the digital space, uh, a pod, another podcast I listen to is, um, it's called My Climate Journey by uh, Jason yeah. Jacobs. And he, he interviews people from all kinds of different industries. And like some of them you wouldn't even think of, but you can just see that the, the scope of, of not only what's required, but the, the spaces in which people are operating across a gamut of industries. And that's what we need in the end to, uh, to move things on a sustainable path, you know? And, and that trickles down to digital, mate. I mean, there are, there are people out there way smarter than I am tackling the problem of sustainability across the digital sector. And knowing that they're working on it and knowing that they're open to assistance from the community, that, that kind of gives me hope. Yeah, me too. It's pretty crazy when you start to investigate the level of knowledge. But still, and that that will be my last question. Uh, we still have a lot of newbies when it comes to web sustainability, people with great aspiration, willing willingness to change, um, but not, not that much knowledge yet. Um, what would be your recommendations to learn more about web sustainability and web performance to uh, this audience? I think just read. Read or, or consume as much as you can, you know? I mean, 
like there's a lot of content out there on YouTube. Uh, Climate Action Tech has got their YouTube channel, which has a lot of um, videos across a lot of different aspects of technology. So maybe you're not a web developer, but you mm-hmm. work in machine learning. They've definitely got videos up there about machine learning, AI, cloud computing, um, you know, data centers. So just consume. There's so much information out there. There's so much knowledge. Obviously, subscribe to this podcast because it's going to be a good one. But Thanks. <laughs> also, also, I think getting getting involved in community is uh, is quite important. Like the amount that I've learned since being a member of the climate action tech community online, like the people you meet, the things they share, that that helps you kind of stay aware of what's going on as well because things do change pretty quickly. And, you know, having a community around you to kind of help you keep an eye on things that you might not be able to otherwise, um, that, that helps helps you uh, ensure that you're always always learning something. Yeah, it definitely does because <laughs> I remember when I when I joined, like, there's a Slack workspace can be pretty intimidating. There's just so much information, but at the same time, suddenly you don't feel alone. Like you, you, yeah, you feel ten times stronger that you were just a second before because you realize, as you say, that yeah, so many great people are contributing. I, I really do love climateaction.tech, and <laughs> not the least because this is where I met you. Um, but okay, but th- thanks a lot for all these um, very valuable uh, insights. Um, that was awesome. So thanks a lot for Shad for being with us today. Uh, your insights and feedback were just great. I'm sure many of our listeners will find inspiration in it to help green the web and IT. So thanks again. And uh, next month, we will go to London and meet uh, Sandra Sido, the founder of uh, Why Not Now and co-founder on the Climate Pitch. She is also an active member of the Digital Collage Association, and she will tell us everything about this great tool to raise awareness about the ecological footprint of the digital sector. And that's it. Thank you all for listening to Green.io. As you surely have noticed in this episode, Greenio is a non-profit podcast, so we rely on you to share it and rate it five stars on your favorite platform. My dear listener, you are our true communication power. And you are our scout as well. So feel free to contact me either via LinkedIn or via my website, gaeldres.com, if you have an interesting story to share or if you know someone who should in order to build a greener digital world.